the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Some people say, God, I will accept you when. And they put some kind of condition in it. I will accept you when you fill my bank account. You pay off my credit cards. You heal me of such and such a disease or you heal someone else of of that disease. You give me that job or that spouse or whatever it is that's really the center of our affection. God will not participate in such a relationship because God does not bow to anyone. God is God. And that is what we will learn today here on Study Verse by Verse with Pastor Leighton Sheely. Welcome to the program. We invite you to join us back in 1 Corinthians as we continue our look at the wisdom of God. From Church of the Highlands in San Bruno, here's Pastor Leighton Sheely and today's broadcast of Study Verse by Verse. Without the message of the cross, addictions and abuses propagate. Conflicts, war, and crime increase. Families break down, and governments nurture corruption. The fundamental source of man's problem is man's sinful nature, and no godless philosophy or religion can change a person's nature. Only the message of the cross can change a human nature. So all of the philosophies of this world and religions of this world look foolish and powerless when compared to the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's only when we come to the cross and we recognize and acknowledge our spiritual bankruptcy and helplessness that we invite God to save us. And he implants within us his Holy Spirit who leads us into righteousness and transforms us gently, patiently, and faithfully into the image of Jesus Christ, his Son. It is only at the cross where our sins are washed away And we are allowed to come into the presence of holy God, clothed in the righteousness of Jesus. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. God has provided and revealed the way to the Father through Jesus Christ, the Son. All other belief systems, philosophies, and religions are man-made. And none can lead us to God or allow us to have a relationship with him as the Bible says, to know him. Verse 21, since God in his wisdom saw to it that the world would never know him through human wisdom, he has used our foolish preaching to save those who believe. Now that phrase, message preached, is one word in the Greek, kerugmatos, it's can also be translated proclamation. It does not refer to the act of declaring the message or to preaching, but rather the content of the the message. Now, Paul here is not talking about foolish preaching. He's talking about preaching that is perceived as being foolish from the world's perspective, the foolishness of the uh, simple, unadorned, uncomplicated truth of the cross of Jesus Christ. Verse 22 says, Jews demand miraculous signs, and Greeks look for wisdom. Jews demand miraculous signs. 
You know, the very time that Paul was writing this produced yet a fresh crop of false messiahs. In 45 AD, Theudas emerged and persuaded people to leave their homes and follow him out to the Jordan, telling them that at his command, the Jordan would part and he would walk through with them on dry land. Didn't happen. Nine years later, A.D. 54, a man arrived from Egypt in Jerusalem, claimed to be a prophet, and was able to talk 30,000 people into following him out to the Mount of Olives, promising that at his command, the walls of Jerusalem would fall down. That was the kind of spectacular thing that the Jews were looking for. And they saw in Jesus one who was meek and lowly and who deliberately avoided the spectacular, who served people, who died on a cross, and it seemed an impossible picture to them of the Messiah. They didn't want that kind of Messiah. Jews demanded power, miracles, signs. They wanted God to bless them and give them whatever they wanted. They wanted wealth and fame and power. They wanted life served to them on a silver platter. After Jesus fed the 5,000, they went to him the next day wanting another free meal. And when he refused to give it to them, they all walked away except for the disciples. One of the reasons the Jews rejected Jesus as Messiah is that he refused to use his influence and his power to lead a successful revolt against Rome. Jesus did not meet their expectations, their demands, and so they rejected him as Messiah. And people still do this today. Some people say, God, I will accept you when, and they put some kind of condition in it. I will accept you when you fill my bank account, you pay off my credit cards, You heal me of such and such a disease, or you heal someone else of of that disease. You give me that job, or that spouse, or whatever it is that's really the center of our affection. God will not participate in such a relationship, because God does not bow to anyone. God is God. Now, it's true that God does serve us, but it's because He chooses to serve us. We cannot demand God to do anything. Jews demand. Miraculous signs. And Greeks looked for wisdom. Greeks were in love with human wisdom. They believed in philosophy and that it was all important. By the way, that word philosophy comes from two Greek words, philo meaning love, sophia meaning wisdom, literally means the love of wisdom. Philosophy means the love of wisdom. And that philosophy, that love of human wisdom, provided a perspective a view of of the meaning of life and values and relationships and purpose and destiny. You know, some people think that God can only be found through speculation. And uh, the roots of this paradigm can be traced back to Plato, Aristotle, Socrates. It's they that provided the foundation of human perspective towards God that is shared in Western civilization. It's the kind of perspective that might say something like, God, if you are real, you must answer my questions, and you must answer them to my satisfaction. I am the customer, you, God, are the clerk, and you must get me to buy whatever it is you're trying to sell. By the way, God, remember that the customer is always right. That arrogance was reflective of the Greeks. Jews demanded miraculous signs, and Greeks looked for wisdom. If you seek God, like the Greeks, requiring that he answer all of your questions to your satisfaction, you'll never find him. 
If you seek God, like the Jews, requiring that he answer all of your desires and all of your prayers, you'll never find him. The fundamental framework for each approach is arrogance, that man can determine what God should or should not look like or what he should or should not do. The only way that we can find God is when we come to him through the message of the cross. Verse 23, but we preach Christ crucified, stumbling block to Jews and foolishness to Gentiles. Most of the Jews of Paul's day could not accept the idea of a crucified Messiah, especially one crucified on a tree. That, to them, was a stumbling block. They expected their Messiah to come in great power and splendor and establish an earthly kingdom and throne. And when they came across clear messianic prophecies such as those recorded in Psalm 22 and Isaiah 53, they either ignored them or explained them away. They had a preconceived idea of what the Messiah would look like. Well, the Greeks also had a preconceived idea of what God could or could not do. Greeks believed that all matter was evil, everything spiritual was good, therefore it was inconceivable to them that God would come to earth as a man. It was even more conceivable that God would want to come to earth as a man. You see, uh, to the Greeks, one of the first characteristics of God was apatheia, the word from which we get apathetic or apathy. It means a total inability to feel. And and this was the argument the Greeks had. The, The Greeks argued that if God could feel joy or sorrow or or anger or grief, then it meant for that moment somebody influenced God. And if somebody influenced God in that moment, then that person, whoever it might be, was greater than God because God was under their influence. A God who suffered, who chose to suffer, was a contradiction in terms. Celsus, who attacked Christians with great fervency towards the end of the second century, wrote, God is good and happy and and beautiful and is in that which is most beautiful and best. And if he then descends to man, it involves change for him and change from good to bad, from beautiful to ugly, from happiness to unhappiness, from what is best to what is worst. Who would choose such a change? The writings of Celsus. Well, if you were to follow Celsus' line of reasoning, it's something like, a typical man would not voluntarily leave a palace for a filthy stable. Therefore, God would not leave heaven for earth. The weakness of this logic is in assuming that God must follow the example of a fallen, typical man. That is... Since I would not do this, God would not do this, because God is modeled after me. Though based on a faulty premise, Greeks thought of themselves as being very wise in their logic and conclusion. And despite all of the efforts of mankind and their own strength and wisdom, they've never been able to come to God, to get to know God, to be in relationship with God. If you want to find God, you must accept and begin with the message of the cross. You must look at the cross and reflect upon it and ask questions such as, what does this tell me about God? What does this tell me about me? About sin? 
about justice, about mercy, about life, death, getting my way, getting my answers answers to my questions. Verse 24, but to those whom God has called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than man's wisdom, and the weakness of God is stronger than man's strength. Now, Paul's words here do not imply that God would ever be foolish or weak. Instead, he was making the point that the highest degrees of human wisdom and human strength cannot even begin to compare with God's. And indeed, our God is sovereign and ruler over all. As a creator, he has carte blanche on everything he's created and all that he owns. More of this tomorrow as we continue our look at the wisdom of God here in 1 Corinthians. This has been Study Verse by Verse with Pastor Layden Sheely. To learn more about this ministry and Church of the Highlands in San Bruno, we invite you to join us on our website, highlands.us. That's highlands.us. We've got a lot of resource material available there as well highlands.us. Tomorrow, more of 1 Corinthians on Study Verse by Verse with Pastor Leighton Sheely. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.